In fact, as Auckland's ferries burn about 13 million litres of diesel every year across the wider fleet, which represents about 34,000 tonnes of carbon emissions every year, which is getting up for half what the whole Auckland bus fleet produces, Jeez. which is about 70,000 tonnes a year. Welcome to This Climate Business, the podcast about turning the climate crisis into an opportunity. I'm Vincent Herringer. Every week I talk to entrepreneurs, investors and experts about what they're doing to solve the climate crisis and get New Zealand down to zero emissions by 2050 or sooner. This Climate Business is brought to you by Podcasts New Zealand. My guest this week has got his eye on the water. When he's not working every hour that he's been given, you'll find him out on the Hauraki Golf with his wife and two sons in a keeler called Cloud that he's recently restored. Previously, he was CEO at McMullen and Wing, one of New Zealand's most prestigious boat builders, famous for their work on super yachts, Team New Zealand's America's Cup yacht, and more recently, commercial and fishing vessels. But it's sustainability that really got Michael Eglin worked up. Being out on the water will do that to you. Late last year, Michael quit as CEO of McMullen and Wing to found a startup called EV Maritime, which is building 100% electric ferries. The first, uh, they're first destined for the Hauraki Golf, but then he's got his eye too on the harbour cities of the world. Electric ferries for the world from New Zealand, it sounds pretty cool. Michael Eglin of EV Maritime. I've read in your branding that um, you want to build better boats for a better world, but what's wrong with the current ferry fleet? Well, it's not so much about what's wrong with them as to how they can be better. I mean, it's not be too unkind to existing ferries. Uh, a recent report showed that the existing ferries take a whole lot of cars off roads, and they, um, I think Auckland's ferries, for example, take about 6 million passengers a year, passenger journeys a year, and this report said that uh, that represented something like 5,600 tonnes a year of carbon emission well, reductions. Yeah. So it's not that there's anything bad about them um, and it's not really a, a blame game it's more about how can they be a lot better and the fact is Auckland's ferries to, again just to pick an example burn about 13 million litres of diesel every year across the, the wider fleet um, which represents about 34,000 tonnes of carbon emissions every year which is getting up for half what the whole Auckland bus fleet produces Jeez. which is about 70,000 tonnes a year Okay, so it's a pretty big number it's a pretty big target um, and the great news is we've figured out that you can save money and reduce those emissions at the same time. So it's very much about opportunity rather than rather than problem as such. But hey, let's face it, we've got a problem. Um, we've committed to solving that problem. Auckland's signed the C40 commitments to halve our emissions by 2030. Um, but, you know, the, the whole world's trying to do what it can. I was really inspired the other day by, by the announcement that the British have said that they're going to ban the sale of new uh, fossil fuel cars, including uh, fossil fueled hybrid cars, uh, by 2035. Um, so, um, you know, people around the world are doing everything they can, yeah. and uh, there's some pretty big commitments being made. The nice thing about what we're offering uh, is the ability to make these big commitments and save money at the same time. So, We'll get to the detail of the... <coughs> ferry solution the, the the marine solution you're looking at but um, are you finding an appetite for uh, uh, this conversation 
around Auckland. You know, I'm, I'm thinking, for instance, the obvious group would be Fullers, who are the biggest operator in the in the Gulf, um, but also wider throughout New Zealand. Uh, are you alone in this, or is there actual demand from your ultimately your customers? Uh, no, there is actually quite strong demand. It's it's. I think we've struck a chord. People are. People love to think about boats and dream about boats, and I don't think people really imagine that electric was um, something for boats. And I think, as we've shown people, that electric represents a huge opportunity for boats. Um, they've really got inspired. Um, I, I, Fullers are a, are a great example, actually, and, and we're really grateful to Fullers. They've uh, provided a whole lot of early funding to us without any uh-huh. shareholding in our business or, or anything, um, because they support what we're trying to do uh-huh. uh, and. Um, and they think that if we get it right, they might end up buying some boats off us. Um, but they've they've backed us and helped us with some money towards our early R&D. So we're really grateful to them for that. Um, uh, Auckland Transport also has been really engaged and interested in what we're doing, um, as have a number of the tourism operators around New Zealand. And we're getting a lot of interest from overseas as well. So it's it's we're not alone. We're not we haven't invented the idea of electric boats. Um, it's not actually in a sense, as new as it feels. Um, the Norwegians kind of led this. And again, a wonderful piece of inspiration. The, the government up there essentially said, um, get your smelly fossil fuel boats out of our beautiful fjords. We just don't think it's we, we should be doing this anymore. Right, yeah. Go figure it out. Um, now, they provided a whole lot of funding to help figure it out. Mm. And the result is that Norway's industry has, um, has basically become world leaders in electric ferries. What they're doing is large, low-speed passenger and vehicle ferries that cross the fjords, uh-huh. obviously taking huge amounts of passenger journey time by car out of wiggling your way around the coastline of these deep fjords and just cutting straight across. And uh, these are battery electric, and so they've proven the technology, they've, they've provided the impetus for developing a lot of the technology, they've created um, the environment to work out a lot of the safety regulations that are required and we're really fortunate to be able to ride on the back of that. What we're doing that's different um, and that needs to be different in order to apply to a commuter type ferry network is we're developing electric fast ferries and that is quite a lot harder because... Um, the, the, the difference being fast. The difference being fast. Um, fast and heavy don't tend to go together yeah. in any form whether it's cars or planes or boats Yes, and so... Batteries, of course, are heavy, and that that to go fast, you've got to a use quite a lot of energy to push yourself fast, um, and you've also got to minimise the drag in order to to achieve those speeds and yes. maintain them. And so we need to carry a lot of energy in batteries, and we need to minimise how much weight, which means we really want to minimise how much battery we carry. Yeah, it's that's actually tapped in really nicely into what um, the New Zealand industry can. Provide, and we've pulled together the sort of the dream team of um, of boat builders and designers and computational fluid dynamicists and structural engineers, drawing a whole lot of people out of things like America's Cup programs and and the like, um, to apply the skills that they've honed on the high performance sailing and similar sorts of fields um, to a ferry for the people which is because really inspiring New Zealand, them. And New Zealand has a heritage in boat building right so there is there is quite a depth of talent and skill that you can tap into this is not a in some ways I mean you're pioneering electrics but 
but we're we're used to being good at building boats, right? That's right. That's right. We are, and you know what we're doing is we we're particularly known around the world for high performance boats and high performance can mean a lot of different things to different people and high performance in the case of an electric ferry means a lot of different things to different people you might say oh it's got to be fast and light um, in order to do the job the ferry operator will say yeah and it's got to be super reliable and resilient and the passenger is going to say and it's got to be quiet and easy to get on and off and that that sort of that definition of performance is is as I say, different for different people. And but underlying all of this is safety, right? You know, safety would be, I don't know, in all of those cases, a paramount, probably their number one requirement. Absolutely, yeah. N- number one rule: you've got to be able to. Everyone's got to get home at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, and um, that's that's been that's been, I guess, in some ways, the beauty of the New Zealand approach as well, because a lot of what the New Zealand industry has done has been. Um, doing new stuff, um, doing stuff for the first time, not necessarily first time in the world, but picking a challenge and saying, hey, we, we're going to go and do this. Uh-huh. And whether you, if you look at our super yachts or you look at making sailing boats fly, as Team New Zealand did with the America's Cup, um, these are things which people went, I think we can do that hard thing. Let's figure out how to do it and to do it well. Um, and so the that kind of fundamental approach that, essentially New Zealand brings is, is really inventive and, and so we've we've sort of harnessed that and said okay we're trying to do this hard thing um, and we're trying to do it um, we're trying to do it in a way which is absolutely rigorous and which delivers safety and performance and reliability and all of these things mm. um, and we're not encumbered by saying oh we're, we're just we're just going to do it like the last one but a little bit different uh-huh we're we're actually kind of effectively kind of throwing all of that out and reassembling it all from pieces. Tell me and about that is a, it's a, a a challenging thing to do because it's it's sort of an infinite realm of uh-huh. of of, uh, of kind of dark corners to get lost in. Um, but again, that's something that New Zealand is quite good at. You do quite we do quite well, don't we? Yeah. Um, tell us about this technology. How does it work? How how do you go about building an electric ferry? Well, you go about. An electric ferry, you go about building in many ways in the same kind of way as an electric boat. Um, it's got an electric motor uh, which turns a shaft and it either turns propellers or some other form of propulsion. Um, and, and this is a fairly well understood um, piece of the puzzle. You know, we um, uh, Large electric motors are um, easily available. Mm-hmm. Um, we're talking about liquid cooled motors so that we're maintaining the temperature. They're, they're, they're Continuously rated, and it, it, these are these are things which are um, used in industrial applications all the time. So there's nothing particularly new in that side. Mm-hmm. Um, the um, there's a little bit of new stuff in the control side, which I'll come to. Um, but but in the propulsion side, um, we can rest back on really good solid science. We can say, yep, we know how to design a, a boat for a given weight, which is a certain shape which will float and which will take a certain amount of power to do a certain speed we know how to work out what that power is to do that speed and how to deliver it mm. so that stuff's pretty easy uh relatively it's technical but it's it's mm. it's you've done it current. before we've done it before Mac- in Macmillan and wing have, have built boats Macmillan like wing that. have built boats like that um all of our designers and consultants um have uh done that we've this is this is the 
the whole industry lives and breathes that stuff. Uh-huh. So that's that's uh, stuff we're good at. And the ferry that you're working on now is it going to be is it jet or is it propeller, or is it not as simple as that? Um, well, it's it's not quite as simple as that because it it depends. Um, but one of the things that we believe very strongly about with the opportunity to introduce electric ferries is that it's an opportunity to do some other stuff better at the same time. And there's a lot of a lot of other things going on in our world that we're also embracing in this. So we're not just developing electric ferries, we're really developing tomorrow's ferries which are also electric. And so part of that is saying how do we make sure these boats are prepared for um, technologies like autonomy. Um, in the in the early term, it might be things like augmented docking. How does the captain bring the boat into a particular space and then let the computer take over to um, to dock that boat? How do we um, how do we design a boat which is we need to design a boat which is really light, as I mentioned before. Um, light and strong can come together, but um, the less you bash into things, the lighter you can make things. So right. how do you design a boat that doesn't have to bash into stuff the way the current boats do? You change the control system so that um, you can make boats go sideways. What kind of smart ferries? You know, and very much, it, very much it, smart it, ferries. I'm <coughs> thinking the analogy is with the way cars are going, with self-driving and and self-parking. Would, would that yeah, be a fair comparison? Th- yeah, that absolutely a fair comparison. Yeah, and and these are things which. We haven't mastered how to do in uh, in version one, um, but they're things that we absolutely know we are going to be doing, uh, and so we're making sure that we capture that in the technology that we embed in the ferries from the beginning. Um, this, the, there's another aspect to the smarts as well, which is that um, one of the big differences between electric boats and diesel boats is that, um, at least in the short term, um, operators, seafarers actually understand quite deeply how the boat works that they're operating and there's this kind of um, culture within the maritime world where the the captain is the master of of his ship or her mm. ship and mm-hmm. um, and it's 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 like a little island and it's and, and they, they're sort of autonomous and they do their own thing as we go into electric um, there are an awful lot of reasons why um, the answer needs to be more integrated than that it's not just um, a boat an island that trundles from A to B uh-huh. it's it's a, a it's part of a fleet it's part of a swarm and it responds to to things better right now um, as an example uh, the ferries in Auckland go blasting across the harbour at their assigned speed um, and arrive at the ferry terminal only to wait for five minutes in order to um, get you know to until their their time comes to dock um, because there's a lot of congestion in the ferry terminal because it's a busy place. Yeah. Um, surely a better solution is to say uh, you've got an assigned spot to to dock at this time. Um, slow down, conserve energy, use less, and just arrive just in time. And this is what we've seen happen in the aircraft industry. Right. I remember as a kid I used to have this book and it was about the great wonders of technology. And this this great wonder in the aircraft was was the system to arrive early at an airport and circle the airport for half an hour until you were allotted time to land. And so you'd arrive at Heathrow or JFK or LAX or wherever and you'd turn up and you'd and you'd go through these these different stratuses of um of, of height until eventually you're down the bottom and you're doing your circles and it's your turn. Now, when a plane leaves Auckland 
to fly to Los Angeles, it's given a landing time and it's got something like a, I don't know, 60 second window that it's going to land in. And the plane, the pilot, the plane adjusts its speed all the way along so that it arrives just in time. So you'll notice if you fly to Los Angeles or anywhere else these days, you don't circle the airport anymore. You, you just fly straight in. Now, you haven't got there any quicker as a result. You've, they've just managed the right. time that it's taken them. They've managed the energy that they've spent. Yes. It's the single biggest thing to, to transform the um, energy efficiency of air travel of the last you know, several and this, decades. And this same sort of level of on a network thinking or systems thinking is not applied to ferry transport? It's not at the moment. Um, but we think that there's um, a real incentive to do so. Yes. I think that electric brings that incentive. D- diesel allows you to be quite flexible, you could say. Lazy is another way. It allows a lot of uh, wiggle room. With electric, we don't want to carry too much battery, so we're, we're charging up at every opportunity. Every time we get to a dock and we load and unload passengers, we plug in. Three or four minutes, we take charge at a really high rate, um, and that enables us to essentially run all day. And um, so we're not just charging up at night and running all through the day and doing mm-hmm. what we want. Mm-hmm. And, and so the result of that is that there's definitely an incentive to um, be really careful with our energy as we spend it. And um, it also means that if you get a power cut in Beachhaven or Birkenhead or some suburb where the ferry goes, what do you do? How does the ferry fleet respond? We think there's a solution to that that says, okay, yep, we've got a power cut there, ferry fleet can respond, we um, put a different boat on a particular route that's already charged up, mm-hmm. or we still deliver the service but we deliver it slightly slower so that we can continue everything going. So that rather than the way the, the trains work, if you get a power cut, um, the trains stop and people have to pile onto buses and they get home two hours late. Um, Happens in, it's been happening in Wellington quite a lot recently. It happened in Auckland the other day. Um, this is a, an accepted truth of um, yeah. electric public transport. Mm. And and we, we're we saying that we, we don't need that. Yeah. But to avoid it, we've got to do certain things and we've got to be smart. So we think there's a real incentive there for, for that kind of smart transport. And, and speaking of charging, that's, that's the other side of this. You know, it's one thing to build the vessel and all the smarts that go into it and I, I trust that you're going to do that and I, I think you've got a great vision for that um, you're dependent now on a whole infrastructure that doesn't exist of wharf recharging of um, probably quite significant um, capital being invested in around yeah, Auckland yeah, right. how, how does that work because you, you have to bring everybody with you there's no, no point just building a boat that, that's right we do and um, and it, it's 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 not just about building a boat by any means. And so we, we are developing the charges as well. Um, so we'll be, um, the, the charges are, qu- are quite big. <laughs> um, so we'll be charging at uh, between one and two megawatts. Um, and um, we've been working really closely with Vector, uh, Auckland's power network company, yeah. uh, to, um, to look at what the um, infrastructure requirements would be of doing that. And... Um, there's essentially, to really boil it down into simple, simple terms, there's essentially two options. You either stick in a really big transformer and you draw direct off-grid 
and that's the most efficient way to do it. Uh-huh. Um, those transformers are really expensive, and um, and really heavy. And really heavy. We certainly don't put them on the boats. Uh, so those, this is um, this is shoreside. So we'll be taking the the uh, eleven thousand volt supply that that is run around in the in the, the broader lines network, mm-hmm. um, putting that through a transformer as no, as currently happens to deliver it into a four hundred volt three phase supply. Um, that's where our charger steps in, and um, and it converts to. DC and we're charging at about 700 volts DC straight into the boat. That right. means that we don't carry the transformers on board, um, which saves weight. Mm. Um, and we'll, you know, if we have 20 or 25 boats in the Auckland fleet, we'll only need nine charges, so it's also more efficient. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that, it's a big char- It's a big transformer. Um, that's a lot of cost um, there is another it's also a lot of load it's a lot of peak load you say you know I, I mentioned before we might be charging for three or four minutes at the time at mm. this at this mm. vast rate and all of a sudden you can mm. imagine everybody's uh, you know lights are going to dim or something when the, when the ferry <laughs> gets to the dock right so that, what's yeah. going to happen um, so so it's quite a big load on the on the grid and that's what we've been working with Victor on um, there is another way um, and it comes with its own costs and benefits um, and it's it's very much horses for courses and that is um, to essentially have large batteries at the dock, and uh, those batteries might be in fl- floating pontoons, or they might be in a in a building on the dock, um, and and you gradually charge those up um, from the grid, and then you, huh. you if you like you download your charge huh. uh, into the boat at, at a high rate. Yeah. Um, and and at the moment it looks like Auckland would be able to handle direct off grid charge, um, but it may. St- it remains to be seen whether it's the right answer in every location mm-hmm. um, and, mm-hmm. and I kind of imagine that we'll probably have a mixture of the two. And, and again I'm sure this technology exists somewhere around the world but you're having to adapt it to a, a New Zealand setting so there's quite a lot of innovation required here. Are you, are you getting, you know, tell us about the support that you're getting um, you know, is, is this a lonely journey for you? No, not really. Um, occasionally, it feels lonely, but um, but no. Actually, we've got a lot of really good partners with us on the on the project. Um, we partnered very early on with uh, a New Zealand uh, electrotechnical company, uh, Mackay Electrical. They do a lot of infrastructure work. They do uh-huh. a lot of maritime and and work for the navy and things like that. Right. Um, so they're doing a lot of electrical engineering uh, on this project for us, and uh, we really appreciate their involvement. So they're they're great partners. Um, and um, the same really goes across the board with the structural engineers and the um, and the uh, designers and analysts and and uh, everybody that we've got with us. So, yes. so in that sense, no, it doesn't feel lonely. Um, but it still definitely at times feels like we're carving out new ground. So we we, we come up with yeah. with curly problems and we go, yeah, why is such and such? And you go, ah. Oh. Oh yeah, I have to think about why yeah. that is all of a sudden. So it's it's and who it's is us? Quite a long you know, when when you say yeah. us, is um, I assume that you've got um, some skin in the game, but um, that that's a big uh, thing to fund yourself. Um, are, are there is there a group of you? Yes, there are. So um, so so the partners in the business are um, David and Terry Porter and myself, and we're um, David and Terry own Macmillan and Wing. I worked with them for the past. Uh, um, Mumble years, maybe uh, 2011. <laughs> I think I started there, and I left like, at the end of last year. So I guess what's that, eight years? Um, and I was a CEO there for five years, and we went through a lot of changes. and And it was through uh, McMullen and Wing that um, 
that that's where the the genesis of this project started in mm-hmm. developing these projects um, and and when we were there together we identified that this project um, had a lot of it needed to be close to the kind of history and expertise of a shipyard um, and capability to deliver but at the same time it needed to be separate enough um, we, we identified there was a chance we might need some outside funding um, and and people were going to want to fund this because of what it represented as a um, a unique um, New Zealand innovation piece and yeah. what it meant mm-hmm. as a, a, an opportunity to help save the world um, and and that people would want to feel like they were investing directly in that focused activity and and not encumbered by the all of the other activities of a shipyard so so that's that's us um, as I mentioned we've got some funding from Fuller's um, we're also really grateful we got some funding from Foundation North the old ASB trusts under mm-hmm. their Gulf Innovation Fund together program uh, which uh, was really exciting and, and p- both because of the money and also because of the feeling of someone believing in our vision mm. uh, that was that was um, mm. that was really empowering at the time we, we really we really needed encouragement. Um, you always need encouragement on this, this sort of uh, startup journey, but yes. um, but that, that was just it was perfectly timed. And um, your motivation, I, I can see there's a business opportunity. You're, you'd you'd be a leader in your field, but I, I think your journey to get here has also been through a kind of growing sense of your responsibility as a industry player to to contribute to the. I suppose the decarbonising of of the economy. Tell me about that. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I've been involved in in um, sort of industry committees and organisations and leadership and and so on for for many many years. You, this is in the marine sector. in the marine sector. Yeah, mm. um, and. and you're a plastics guy originally, aren't well, you? Well, that's right. I'm originally, I'm a naval architect, boat designer. I had a dream of being an America's Cup designer. Uh, and um, I got my first job working for Alan Warwick, who's a very famous New Zealand yacht designer, and did five or six years with him and joined Team New Zealand and got my dream of working on an America's Cup program. And, and uh, When was that? Uh, that was that was the uh, the ill-fated 2003 campaign. So uh-huh. I was with them from 2000 to 2003. Some amazing, some wonderful people. It was a, an unfortunate outcome uh, that really didn't reflect... Um, the the uh, the amazing work that that went on, but mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's lessons for all of us in in that. You know, you, you're measured by by your outcomes, not by the the sort of moments of genius along the way. Yes. And uh, so you know, it's it keeps helps keep you really really focused. It's, mm-hmm. it's the the famous you know to finish first, first you must finish. Yeah. Uh, sort of, uh, and and that that applies to all of life. You know. Um, and then yes, then I moved into plastics. I moved into uh, I was I was working for a company called High Modulus, which was um, at the time the the world's largest marine composite structural engineering firm, uh-huh. um, based in New Zealand and right. taking on the world. And we did some really amazing things. And then and then towards the end of my time there, we were acquired by a competitor from from Switzerland, and uh, um, and they're carrying on today. And they're they're uh, they're still a very um, important part of <coughs> the world composites industry. Yeah. Um, uh, that's where I cut my teeth in management and leadership uh, in the workplace um, and moved into running their engineering business and um, uh, in the last few years that I was there and um, and then I joined the shipyard but yes. um, so and, and you yeah. joined them at a time when they had had quite a crisis or at least that crisis happened while you were there it did, it did yeah so I joined McMullen and wing while while they were a, uh, a 
a very well respected super yacht builder. Um, they'd just built um, a string of boats that had collected way more than their fair share of awards mm. uh, around the world. They'd um, restored the beautiful Shenandoah. That's right, they'd restored the, the Shenandoah. Um, that was sort of early in their super yacht journey and, and they'd, they'd built an amazing, um, in my, where I really came into contact with McMullen and Wing and started building a relationship with them was was through a project called Ermis 2, which was in the mid 2000s, and we uh, that that still today is the seventh largest, sorry, the seventh fastest luxury motor yacht in the world. Wow. Um, vacuum infused, epoxy carbon fiber, all the stuff that would normally be built in stainless steel was built in titanium. Uh, that that was a classic example of a project of doing something extremely well that you go into the project not necessarily knowing everything about how you're going to do it. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just do it the same as last time. Mm-hmm. It was question everything. Right. Question everything and do it better. Um, uh, so that was where I first came in contact and then they built a, 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 a big steel and aluminium ocean walloping luxury motor yacht called Big Fish which, which collected uh, every award that it was that it was eligible for. So mm. it was a very high profile small company um, yeah. in the world of super yachts and, and we were in the process of building a a boat for um, for the uh, a re- repeat customer for the ch- the chap that had bought Big Fish, and then we had a, suffered a huge fire in the shipyard, uh, so that was um, yeah. that was quite a catastrophe, uh, mm. which we came through and we and we finished that boat, and um, uh, but um, but yeah, for for various reasons, um, the super yacht market changed. Um, New Zealand is a very long way away from the market, mm. which always makes it difficult, and we mm. were always going to be a small player we identified that if we were really going to make a sustainable business in super yachts we needed to sell a lot more of them than we were going to be able to do and we had a bit of a go at that and, mm-hmm. and said no it's it's we're going to be able to keep lurching from project to project but not really mm. get scale mm. <coughs> and um and there were some other things in the in the super yacht uh world that we didn't really like um i, I used to justify to myself um devoting my professional energies to super yachts on on the basis that it was a great wealth redistribution scheme um, you get these wealthy people and they and they invest um, tens of millions of dollars in building these amazing um, displays of wealth but they're incredible machines and and they provided um, interesting employment to uh, a lot of people um, in the end I think having come out the other side of that I look back on it and I I tend to see that aspect less and I tend to see the the ostentatious display of wealth more clearly um, mm-hmm. and I feel much more drawn to really spend my energies on something that is is justifiable on a larger number of levels than that um, and and what is that what what well, what what scratches that itch? Well, I think I think it's not just. I mean, the the, the electric. I think that that's. I mean, that's very much what the EV maritime is about. Um, EV maritime, yes, exists to um, to um, invent a better future for ferries and other other boats and a, a low emissions future, but it also exists to carve out a um, uh, a new leadership opportunity for the New Zealand marine industry. Um, we we used to be leaders in, um, as we were just talking about, in super yachts, um, yeah. and and we've moved away from that, and the market's moved away from from that. Um, we used to be leaders in um, high performance sailing yachts, and we still are in certain areas. I mean, we 
we only have to look to Team New Zealand. Mm. But um, but the the breadth, the scale of the industry behind that in other high performance sailing yachts is not there to the level that it was. Um, and and so I think that we we are looking for um, the next place where we can mm. m- show some leadership. And I think that for us, EV Maritime and the broader high-speed electrification mission um, represents a chance for New Zealand to actually demonstrate leadership in green transportation. Right. To, to actually be green leaders and not just a, a, a beautiful country. I mean, it fits at so many levels, doesn't it, with this marine heritage and capability, but now mixed with a, um, a more sustainable message it does seem like a kind of the perfect coming together it does and 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 coming right back to to the Auckland situation that the the perfect coming together kind of um, exists at another level too which is the fact that the Auckland ferry fleet is all uh, is comprised of all old boats um, everybody knows those boats need to be replaced they will get replaced in the very near future the question is what will they get replaced with yeah um, they could get replaced with diesel-powered boats and they could continue to provide a good service to the passengers, um, but that will lock us into um, carbon emissions for decades to come. Mm. Um, they can get replaced by electric boats, um, which will actually save money um, and eliminate emissions and provide a better passenger experience and integrate better with micromobility and all these other mm. other sort of strands mm. of work mm. that we've got going on. So, so we think that that's... That timing for that is perfect, mm. and um, uh, that's you know if if uh, we can you know th- there's a lot of moving parts in in um, dealing with um, central and local government and private business and, and all sure. of the, the there's a lot of intermeshing um, between all those parties and the way these things are funded, mm. um, but if together we can um, bring a significant electric fast ferry fleet to Auckland. Auckland would be probably the first city in the world to have a significant electric fast ferry fleet. Um, it would demonstrate the ability to bring electrification to to rapid um, harbour public transport that it's currently not an option for because that technology doesn't exist because mm. people like us haven't made it happen yet. Yes. And, um, and, and so... We, Auckland would suddenly become a showcase for green transportation. I heard you talk in an event and you you described a, f- a future not that far away, 2021, um, at the risk of making you repeat yourself. To, tell us that vision. Yeah. It, it's actually kind of, it's almost the genesis story of EV Maritime. Um, I, I was on a committee, uh, still am, um, for the New Zealand marine industry in relation to the 36th America's Cup. And it was essentially talking about um, uh, maximising business opportunity for the marine industry from the America's Cup. So it wasn't about how we host it or any of those sorts of things. It was it was broader about how does business um, capture the opportunity that the America's Cup represents. And it got me thinking about, well, what would, you know, what, what does the America's Cup represent? And it represents this opportunity, this, this, um, vast influx of attention and journalists and so on into Auckland mm. um, and and so our dream was well gosh imagine if we could have an electric ferry running by then um, um, you know just imagine um, you know this time of year February March America's Cup's on um, 
you get a, a day with no wind, everybody's sitting around, journalists have got nothing to say. Um, they it's going to happen, isn't it? Right, it's going to happen. They go looking for a trickle-down story because the America's Cup's that's one of the beauties of the America's Cup is you get these amazing trickle-down stories and these incredible world-leading companies today that that um, were created from the early America's Cup campaigns. So they go looking, okay, what's the what's the trickle-down story going to be from this America's Cup? And they look at the uh, dual surface sales and they and they look at these other things and they look at these um, high-speed, high-tech electric ferries um, invented and developed in Auckland using people who have come from America's Cup campaigns. Um, and, and so that, that, was, um, that was the beginning. And then we said, well, guess what else is happening in, in 2021? Well, Apex happening. Um, you know, the, the, the leaders of the developed world are going to be here. Um, and uh, what an opportunity for us to show this new technology which Auckland is developing and for our government to announce um, the expansion of that fleet and the electrification of Auckland's public transport fleet. That's our dream. Um, and, on on uh, one of your boats? <clears throat> on one of our boats. Yeah, well, that's right. That's right. Um, that's our dream. Um, it's it's a pretty ambitious dream. Um, you've got to have big, ambitious dreams. It's still achievable. Mm. Um, but um, but like a lot of things, there's a lead time to this stuff. So it's a, it's achievable if if we can move no, wait, quickly. This is a year away. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, it is. Well, a year and a half if we count APEC. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then beyond, uh, that's, that's a great vision. And, you know, gosh, I hope that you succeed. But, but your vision be, is beyond Auckland. Yeah, right. You you absolutely. talk about the harbour cities of the world. Just just tell us about that, and and we all need to wrap up. Yeah, it, it is absolutely. I mean, the, the as I said, there there are electric ferries in the world, um, but they are slow ferries. And those who have um, carved out a position of leadership in those are taking that technology to the world and getting um, and, and and they are becoming the new leaders. And we see this in the auto space as well. Who are the who are tomorrow's leaders in automobile manufacture is it ford and general motors no it's it's the people who have embraced new te- it's, it's tesla well, yes. who'd heard of tesla before and, and yeah. the rumor is apple right yeah exactly so um so these these huge technology movements represent opportunities to to kind of upset the apple cart of of um traditional dominance and a country like Norway, the same kind of size as New Zealand, is dominating the world in um, electric maritime transport for um, for um, large ferries, um, you know, vehicle ferries and things like that. The opportunity is there for us to do the same thing, to dominate the world from little old New Zealand. Um, not necessarily to manufacture all those boats here. Mm. Um, I, 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 again, this is a sustainability story, and I, and I think that... Um, there's a whole lot of levels of sustainability that are better served with a more inventive business model. Mm. I think that we localized can, manufacturing, localized manufacturing, talking. local jobs, um, shipping less stuff around. Mm. Um, these are all things that you're making that the recipe can, that correct. then can be exported. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. A- and I, I, I guess I'm just thinking of Shanghai or. Um, I don't know. Who else has got a big harbour? New York. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I sat down one night in front of the TV with the kids and we and we we pulled up uh, Google Maps and went on satellite view and went looking at the harbour cities of the world and we started finding the, the cities that we'd heard of, because there were plenty of harbour cities we hadn't, um, cities that we heard of, and then we started having a look at, okay, well, tell me what the ferries look like in Reykjavik. 
oh look Reykjavik's got a ferry service that looks very much like Auckland's one <laughs> uh, what about Hong Kong what about Sydney what about Brisbane and Singapore and Vancouver and Seattle and, and on and on New York and mm. Mm. heaps of cities in in, uh, in Europe it there's a big job to do there's a big job to do uh, and um and it's a pretty exciting job, so that's what we're up for. Well, Michael Eglin from EV Maritime, real pleasure to talk to you, and good luck. Hopefully we'll hear from you um, in a few months' time. Thanks, Vincent. Appreciate the, uh, the opportunity. Thanks for listening to This Climate Business. I hope you enjoyed the programme. There are more episodes as well as notes and blogs on our website, thisclimatebusiness.com. I'm Vincent Herringer, and if you know someone who deserves to be interviewed on our show, email me, vincent at thisclimatebusiness.com, or find me on Twitter, vherringer, that's two E's, one R. Meanwhile, I'll be back same time next week, and no hurrah.